Today, we are joined by a man on an absolute mission. Importantly, another great example of real-life utility for NFTs. Bit of a rarity, if you ask me. John Hewitt first came across my radar when I saw a few of his posts calling out for help for smart contract developers to support him on his journey. Like John, I've grown more and more frustrated by the cash-grabbing antics of some of the NFT projects out there particularly actually from the music industry. His message really caught me and I'm convinced it will have a similar effect on you too. If you love music, worry about the environment and are fed up of hearing crypto buzzwords but do want to learn more about the amazing possibilities the technology brings to the table, then this episode is absolutely for you. My name's Ben Small and this is The Edge of the Block. Let's get to it. John, hi. Hi Ben, how you doing? I'm very well, thank you very much. How are you? Yes, good. Looking forward to my first ever podcast. So, well, I've got to say, you've got, we've only been speaking on LinkedIn mostly. I'm very impressed with your podcast voice. Good work, sir. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm used to having an audience in my previous line of works. Uh, <laughs> so I get used to talking and performing. So, but this will be more about talking and, and engaging with yourself. So hey, I'm looking forward to it. Well, it's no easy task making crypto relevant and exciting for everyone. My last guest did a, a surprisingly good job given he's a, um, an international tax lawyer. So we're going from one, one extreme to the other here. And uh, actually, this would be a good place to start. Could you tell us a bit more about who you are, your background, and then we'll, we'll come into this new adventure that you're on now? Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, pretty much for 15 years before I became a PT coach, I was an entertainer. So I would travel around Europe, touring with a troupe, did some nice TV work, TV advert, you know, days filming on a Hollywood movie with the late departed Brittany Murphy. So it was a oh, very wow. exciting career. Uh, the great thing about it, no single day was ever the same in terms of, of work. And I got to travel around the world, got to meet some great people, fantastic experiences and places. Got treated like a little mini celeb for many, many a night. It was always great. Five-star hotels, free free drinks, free food, you know, yeah. paparazzi there. It was great fun, but you do have a shelf life uh, in terms of the entertainment. So I always knew it was going to come to an end one day. And having been interested in health and fitness and wellness and weight training from the age of 18, yeah, it was a natural progression for me and my colleagues who were also into fitness and, and health and wellness to kind of then get qualifications to go into PT coaching, which is what I've been doing now for pretty much the last 12 years. Cool. That must so, have been quite a, a shift there because have you been self-employed throughout that, that time? And Yeah, pretty much self-employed. Yeah, so trader, self-employed. So uh, yeah, you don't get paid for, for taking a break or a holiday or if you're sick, but you know, you get used to that. It has its other perks. You know, you get to create your own hours, you working for yourself and uh, you don't have somebody telling you what to do. So I always enjoyed that kind of freedom. Sure. Uh, did you, did you completely think, make that break from entertaining altogether then? Or? Well, I kind of I kind of tapered off. You know, I, okay. I was just doing a Saturday residency show in London, which was also part of the reason why I left Norwich, where I was living and where I'm originally from, to, to Greater London, where I reside now. Yep. So having a little part-time entertainment career, it kind of eased me into doing the PT coaching. Because as you can imagine, when you start as a PT coach, you have zero clients and zero money. So, and it, it takes, well, it took me about six to eight weeks to build up a, a reasonable client base. Yeah. And in that industry, you really have to get out of your comfort zone and just talk to as many people as you can, because you've got to entice them to come in for a, a free assessment, yep. stroke free session. You've got to be able to have a great rapport with them, be able to have a chat, be interested in those, find out what it is that they want from the session and then 
devise a session that will, will, will suit them and hopefully they enjoy it that well or that good enough that they want to come and train with you. So I did pretty well at first, but it just takes time to build that client base. So it was a good, it was a nice transition. And then, you know, when it came to fully retire, I was ready. Just. <laughs> <laughs> it takes a bit of patience being a, a PT. Um. It, it does, but you get used to it because you, you, get, you get all sorts of people who are at different levels. And I can appreciate if you're able to empathize, you know, those are ones that come in and literally can't do a bodyweight squat or a, a bodyweight lunge, real basic stuff. To get them a few months down the line, then doing walking lunges with like 10 kilo dumbbells or doing a squat with like, you know, 30, 40 kilos for them, that is a huge, great step. And to see that, that difference that you can make to someone's life and the, the kind of like enjoyment they get like, wow, I've, I've hit a personal best. I never thought I could do this. It's very rewarding very rewarding and they really do i mean you know some clients actually become very good close friends which we'll get into more later you know yeah. on, our, on our other topic <laughs> well i mean I'd, it's great that you've been able to experience both ends and as you say find 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 a, a job you can do that that brings joy to people and then you can find that level of um, satisfaction yourself i can see yeah if you can have a career that you have a, a real deep interest in then it makes it it doesn't seem like work you know, and, actually, and you do get rewarded from it and enjoyment from it. And it's something mm. you're interested in that. People want to know what I know about myself. Because obviously for me, I always practice what I preach. I'm the one that does the squats with 100, 120 kilos on my back. I'm doing yeah. walking lunges with heavy weights. I'm eating the four or five meals every day, you know, keeping the treat meals down to a bare minimum. But we do, we do allow ourselves treats. And, <laughs> that, and when you're on that gym floor, you are a, a walking product of your business. You've got to look the part. You've got to be in shape. And I've literally had would have guys come up to me and say, Jay, your legs are awesome. I want legs like that. Can you show me how? I'm like, of course I can, my friend. It's going to, it's going to take a lot of hard work yeah. and consistency. But most, most people are kind of up for that, that challenge. And uh, I'll, I'll always support them. And for me, it's always safety first. Always, let's make sure we do correct form of technique. We warm up thoroughly beforehand. And then we get to heavy lifts. And I think I've only ever had one or two minor injuries with clients. And that's normally when they do something they shouldn't do. Yeah, right. I've got you. And then, then a load of rehab on the back of it. It's a, a bit of a pain because then you, you don't get you see your client for a few weeks. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's, that's part and parcel of the game. Absolutely. Nature of the beast. I mean, I am detecting a trend here, though. So you've gone from one industry that you're passionate about, absolutely love, and then you broke that off to go into a completely different space. Probably brought across a lot of the transferable skills because if you're in entertainment in general, you do need to be very personable. Absolutely. Yeah, how that works in the PT side. And so you've done it again, John. You've left PT to then join this crazy world that is crypto. That is the crypto space. And, you know, I got into crypto probably 2016. Okay. And I talked to one of my clients who was CEO of a trading company. Mm-hmm. And we'd become, you know, very friendly. And, you know, we'd always just talk about business, what he was up to. And so he'd advise me on on shares and, and things about that line of work in terms of trading and shares and, you know, the FTSE. And I kind of learned what a bull market was, what a bear market was, you yeah. know, an IPO, just basic terminology that I was like, well, what does that mean? And I'm always quite inquisitive anyway. Yeah. And I'll be teaching him about nutrition, food, way to train. So there was a kind of a transferable piece of information between myself and my client. Nice. And he was, he was getting into Bitcoin and mentioning it and said, look, I think it's a good thing to get into. If you've got any spare cash, you know, have a look at it. So, you know, I took on his advice and traded a little bit and I was quite successful, even though I probably didn't know what the hell I was doing, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, kind of oh, winging it and just, just asking him. Yeah. I think sometimes you just, it is a baptism by fire. You've got to put yourself into it, do a bit of due diligence. Agree, yeah. 
mm-hmm. and then go through the process. And yeah, you might make mistakes and get a little bit burnt, but then that is the way you learn. Really, you will learn with what not to do. You know, ask the people who know a bit more than you and learn from them and just try and apply that. And that's what I've always tried to do uh, yeah. in life and certainly doing now as well. No, I like that. Great that you, um, you, you have that relationship with your clients anyway, to, to learn from each other. And what a nice way to be introduced. You know, there's one thing following your, your friends and family talking about crypto, but if you, you've got someone you can lean on who's got past experience in investing, it gives you a little bit more confidence, right? A little bit more of a, a reason to, to look into a bit more. Can you tell me about your, your journey? You said due diligence and things. What sort of questions were you asking yourself at the time compared to maybe what you ask yourself now if you're going to have another dabble in crypto? Well, I guess I was asking about how do I trade first or how do I buy, how do I buy Bitcoin? So really basic. And yeah. like there's some basic trading platforms. And I think this was uh, just before things like Coinbase and other kind of trading platforms were, were coming out. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll create an account, account on plus 500. Yeah. And because Bitcoin was a, a real nice bullish run there, I just traded a, a little extra cash that I had. Yeah. Made a nice little profit on it and then pulled it out quite quickly rather than trying to get too greedy and, Sure. You know, my client said, look, if you can make 50, 100% profit, take it out because even I can get too greedy sometimes if they get yeah, us more and more and it ends up going all the way down and then you lose, you know, your, your initial profit and then you get yeah. more upset with yourself. So, you know, don't be afraid to take it out. It could keep carrying on, but if you take a reasonable profit, take it. You're up, you're up. So I was like, okay, that's good advice. And that's probably held true. And then I bought a book just to try and understand Bitcoin. And I must admit, I went through the book probably twice. And unless you are very technical that way, which I am not, it was still kind of hard to, I really couldn't, I thought I understood it, but I really couldn't explain it in layman terms if somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> no, a real challenge. That. Said now, mm-hmm. oh, a real challenge, especially back then. Yeah. Understanding, because a few people knew what the blockchain was. There was no yeah. such, well, nobody even heard of NFTs and it was only just blockchain, sorry, a Bitcoin, Ethereum and a few other little ones, Bitcoin yeah. Cash, you know, yeah. uh, and a few other little ones. And we, it kind of, I knew Bitcoin was the main one and then Ethereum was the second one, but I didn't know, understand the difference, you know, what one offered and what, what one didn't offer. Yeah. But I thought, oh, look, let's just stay with Bitcoin because I'm safe for that because that seems to be going up and everyone's talking about Bitcoin. So I thought I'd read books, just go with the trading. And then over a bit more time, I then put a bit more money in and some of my fellow PTs are also getting involved in Bitcoin. So I was having conversations with them and they were saying, oh, these, these new coins and this new coin. I was like, you know what? I don't know much about those. I'm going to stay safe for Bitcoin and a little bit of Ethereum. I, yeah. I felt brave enough to dip into Ethereum. And then obviously we had a really nice bull run where it hit like twenty, twenty-four, $24,000, Yeah. And then we had the big crash. It went all the way back down to, I think, four, just under $4,000. Mm. I, I held a little bit there and rather than panic, and panic selling, which, you know, a lot of people do. I thought, you know what? I've got a good feeling it's going to come back. I'm just going to sit and hold, which I did for a, a couple of years. In fact, right up until COVID. And then obviously with COVID hit and it affected lots of people's businesses, couldn't work out, couldn't train clients. Luckily, when it started going a little bull run, it gave me enough of a, a profit to pull out just to, yeah. just to tie me over. Yeah. So it did come in very handy. I obviously didn't make as much as I could have done, but hey, you know, COVID hit, nobody could foresee that. No. And it, it got me out of a sticky jam. Your previous self thanked your, your present self, right, at the time, because about the extra cash came in handy. The, the trick, I think, is always weighing up the, the risk versus how much time you can wait before you need the cash. And obviously, COVID brought, brought forward a lot of um, people's need to get back into it. It becomes a lot harder to hold at that point. So it sounds like you, you did pretty well in the scheme of things. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Great point, Ben. And I think 
I'm, I am pretty patient. I can kind of almost forget about it that it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably check in once a week, or every couple of weeks to see where it's at. But if it's if it's in a bearish run, I just like I'll be patient. I'll just sit. It will come back. I'm pretty yeah. sure of that, as it has done time and time again. Yeah, and I can sit and wait on it. But COVID hit. I had to pull. I had to pull it out. Uh, luckily, it wasn't enough of profit to give me a bit of a, a bit of a jump start and, and keep my head above above the water. Yeah. So, uh, which ultimately happen. is is the game, isn't it? Yeah, above everything else. Yes. Yeah. I mean, during COVID, for many people and myself included, it was pretty much just surviving. You yeah. Know, because we all got hit very hard. There was very little help, and though there was some help, it wasn't enough. So that came in handy and it kind of, you know, sort of release. To be fair. Yeah. But then it was then it was last year getting back to semi-normal and I'd be able to train some clients the ones that were returned again one of my clients he was then because I think from COVID he'd been working from home so he'd left the city he left the city wasn't going to the city and he, he then created well he's one of the, the main guys that created a company called Pluto Digital Assets right which are really kind of trailblazing at the moment I think mm-hmm. they valued at around a hundred million dollars and I think they're going to list public listing in the second quarter of this year. So so he's been doing nothing but that and buying NFTs. And that's where we came up with the NFTs. Well, so this is oh. it. Let's, let's, get to the, let's get to your edge now because this is a, a big jump. Challenge most guests on this to be able to talk about NFTs and real life cases. <laughs> so if you can, okay. dumb it down as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, what, <laughs> what knowledge I have, and I really have been learning. I mean, what I knew four months ago compared to now is probably a hundred times more. So it shows you I probably didn't know a lot back then. And I mean, talking with my client, he was, he actually owns a board ape. So, you know, he's, oh, he's wow. styling. He's, yeah, he's a nice board ape, but he doesn't want to sell it yet. It's, it's like a, a badge of honor holding a board ape. So I did tease him like, mate, come on, if it hits half a million, will you sell it? He's like, yeah, probably if it hits half a million. I said, well, what's the space? So he, he introduced me to NFTs and like everybody, I was like, what the hell is an NFT? And he's like, oh, there's this digital art that's written on a smart contract on the blockchain and, and it's there forever and it can go up in value and most of it is artwork, although you can have music and what well, kind of lot like it, not real life, but moving NFTs. But most of it is like caricatures, artwork. Uh, this is where real eyes could earn a good living from it. And, uh, I said, well, what does NFT stand for? You know, non-fungible token. And I was like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know, okay, well, yes, it means it's non-fungible. You know, unlike a pound where you can go spend a dollar and buy a pack of the crisps and a Mars bar, you know, you're trading that money for other commodities, whereas non-fungible token means you can't do that. So, okay, that makes sense. Just non-fungible. Yeah, cool, get that. That was quite basic to understand. And then I guess I went online and just started onto OpenSea, create account, and just started looking at these and then. I was just shocked at the prices they were going for. It's like, wow. It is unbelievable. It really, really, plus the volumes, the volumes going through every day are ridiculous. On millions and millions of dollars. And one of the, one of the, the, the top guys that I follow who I really, really like, a guy called Gary Vernacek, if that's how you pronounce it correctly. Very smart guy. Yeah. Very wealthy. And the reason why I like him is because he talks straight. He swears a lot, which I like. You know? <laughs> There's no airs or graces with Gary. He just tells it like it is. But he's so humble. He's so friendly. He'll help you if he, if he can. That's how he certainly comes across. Yeah. And like he said, I think a year ago, he heard of NFTs. And he said, Look, to understand this, I've got to submerse, submerse, myself, submerse myself into this project and just buy, trade, and find out what it all means. So by listening to him, you, you pick up some really good tidbits because he's doing it. And he's got the time, the money to do that. I mean, you know, I want to buy my first NFT, but at the moment, you know, you, you can pick up ones for like a couple hundred dollars. 
but I haven't found anything that I'd want to spend a couple of dollars on yet. So when I do, I want to buy one. But also, as in, you know, hopefully creating my own, which we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. So we're following people like Gary Vernacek. There's some great uh, NFT influencers on YouTube. So you can just flick through the channels and get some great information. Yeah. And a lot of it is can be a bit waffle and a bit over your head, but you can pick up some real good tidbits. You really can. Yeah, I think you just need to have some patience with the, the content out there. I completely agree with the, uh, the Gary V tip because actually there isn't an awful amount of waffle that comes out of that man's mouth. He seems to have that knack of explaining well, anything crypto and NFT certainly, but even marketing in the general sense without putting too much sugar on top. You know, he just you get real life examples of how, how this technology can change the world. So that's probably a good place to start before you get under the hood and, uh, and try to understand solidity and smart contracts and, and all the rest of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, let's chat about Meta House Nifty Music. Yes. So how this originated, I was training my client who's, you know, owns a board of Ape, is part of Pluro Digital Assets. And we were talking about, and we always do, we always chat about NFTs, what's coming up, what's going on. And, mm-hmm. and again, I, I learned a lot from him. His, his finger is on the pulse, yeah. as it were. And uh, just one day I just said, I just mentioned, well, you know, why could we do a project with NFTs and, and DJs? And he was like, that's a great idea. And then he's got an old colleague who is one of my old clients who, again, for the last couple of years has been out of a job and he was uh, CEO of a company. You know, I've, I've known these guys for at least probably seven to eight years. Yeah. I've been training them on and off for a long time. And we have become friends. You know, I've met their families. We've gone out for meals, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it goes a little bit past the kind of client trainer relationship, sure. which I, I like. And uh, he said, well, Steph's brother's top DJ. And I said, of course he is. He was look, have a chat with Steph, see if you get together and, and kind of see if we can, you know, get, get this up and running. I was like, that's a great idea. So the three of us got together a few weeks later over, over a steak and a glass of red wine. Always, nice. always good to do over food. Yeah, <laughs> of course. And I just spoke about the project and then my other client, who knows more really about the financial side, just laid out some figures to, you know, his working colleague and my other client. And you could see that the cogs were starting to tick in my, my client, or my friend Steph, where he could see the numbers and the potential, but didn't un- understand the space yet. Yeah. So we were then like, right, let's go away. Let's get our heads down and learn about the space, what it entails, who we have to reach out to. And I find the more that we've done that, the more you kind of get into it and you really like it, you enjoy you enjoy speaking to the people in the community, you enjoy people's artwork. And then I've got other friends that I wasn't aware that were already in that space buying NFTs. And you then start getting passionate about it. And you're like, okay, well, I need to, I need to kind of investigate more and actually talk to people and find out more information about what they're doing, why this project works, what that one does. And yeah. before you know it, you're kind of, you're involved and then you're hooked. And then when you start listening to more things like Gary Vee, you start understanding the terminology more and what it entails, you, you're kind of like, wow, this is, yes, it could be a great business model, but it's also really exciting because if you can cr- create something that adds value to not only the, the artists, the ones that do the drawings and the artwork, but the actual artists in terms of the DJs that you work for, also the community. And I, like, I get the sense that utility is very, it's going well, to be even more important, I think, going to the future. I don't know, excuse me. Yeah. Whereas now it could be, yeah, just the artwork or just people flipping to make a quick buck. End of the day, then everybody wants to earn money. Totally get that. You know, that's that's fine. But if you can add more than just making money and having nice artwork, I personally think that adds value to not only to a business, but also to the people who ultimately you are involved with, which is your community. Absolutely. You know, the, the people that feel affiliated to your project. And uh, that's what we've been having our heads down to work on 
these last two or three months before we get the funding to start the project. So it sounds like, I mean, firstly, you've hit a lovely couple of chords at my end there because often I'll have clients, friends, family reach out and ask about NFTs in, in particular. And it's quite hard to uh, break out of you know this echo chamber a little bit, you know, make sure you're not getting caught up in using the same old terminology that actually makes no sense to someone looking from the outside in, firstly. And second thing is, if they haven't taken all the steps to speaking to getting a load of different opinions from, from people, meeting up with people in the community, maybe reading up on basic technology that's being used, it's yeah. really hard for them to, to then get emotionally hooked and buy, bought into to what's possible. And you, you've taken the time to go through all of that. And so obviously it's made, it's making more and more and more sense to you now, which is why you're, you're seeing the potential. And I think you, it sounds, sounds like that might be the, the focus now as well as how do you, how do you get more people on, onto that journey? Well, I think if we, you know, we're, we're going to create where well, we are creating a long-term roadmap here because there is a lot of rug pulling, as it were, which if you're not familiar with is, you know, people creating a fake project, getting all the funds in and then running away with it. So basically putting a rug on people. And uh, there is a lot of that and you will get certain scammers that come in because it's, it's a new opportunity for people like that. And there's always bad people that will come into the space, mm-hmm. whatever market is there. So for me, it's about being authentic. It's about having integrity. Uh, it's about being humble. I mean, like I say, I am far from an expert. I might even say a few things wrong here, but hell, that's the way I learn. You know, you, you've got to put yourself out there and just and just talk. Definitely. And sometimes you'll, you'll get information and pro- you, you won't always process it in, in, in the correct way. You might take it a different way than as it was intended. So again, that's why I was like, I was like talking to people, I, my client, people online, because you can get familiar in it and used to terminology and you get to kind of, I guess, practice what it is you do know and yeah. what you don't know. And uh, for me, I'm never afraid of stepping out of my comfort zone and trying new things. Hence, you know, this, even doing this podcast, you know, it's way out of my comfort zone. It's my first one, but I thought this is a great opportunity. I'm going to learn from this. It is a baptism by fire. So, you know, what do you have to lose? So, you know, here we are, but definitely the, the roadmap for us is, is long-term being okay. authentic. Yeah. Have the integrity, being open and honest, and humble about what it is you do, what you know, what you don't know. Not not trying to, to blag it and, and con people. It's just like, well, yeah. this is what we do. If you've got questions and inquiries, we will answer to the best of our ability. If we don't know something, we will go away and, and look it up and find out for you. Yeah. No, uh, well, so on, on that roadmap then, what, what, what's, because uh, I found you on LinkedIn and really liked the idea of the project. So do you want to talk about the, the project in, in more detail? Yeah, well, first off, having direct access to one of London's top DJs who tours around the world, got his own fan base, and being the brother of my business partner, it's a great window of opportunity for us. Sure. And having having sat down with him and explained, not not in too much detail to overwhelm, overwhelm him, but just kind of touch on the potential of this, what's happening in this space around the world, it certainly tweaked his interest and he is 100% on board, so... And not only that, he has the door to other artists who are his colleagues and best friends. So right. yeah. we have that unique position for us at the moment. And again, things will always evolve, Ben. You'll have, you'll have a set roadmap, but that things will pop up that you didn't expect. That you think, great, okay. yeah, we can go down this app. Yeah. But j- just to hark back to Mr. Gary V, <laughs> his idea of the future of NFTs, it will radically change how we do everything in terms of hospitality, venues, getting into games how you buy your stuff, all companies will probably have NFTs that will have some form of utility. And when it becomes easier to manage and to hold 
and to have these NFTs, then I think it will really hit the mainstream, you know, the rest of society. I think at the moment it can be a little bit complicated and a little bit fussy because, you know, you've got to have you know, your wallet, you've got to be able to have your code, have to set that up, have to transfer stuff. Do you have to have it in crypto? You've got to buy crypto. So it can be a bit convoluted. <laughs> yep. Agreed. And the average person, it'll be like, well, over their head. So once that gets easier uh, and less complicated, I think it, it, this will spread, especially now when we're seeing, you know, movie stars and pop stars getting into the space and sports stars. So for us, we don't want to run before we can walk. Our focus is solely on this first project to do it as, as best as we possibly can to make yep. that a success. Yeah. Because if we do, that will give us the platform to then start doing other artists in the music field then possibly onto sports personalities because we have links and contacts for that. And then possibly going into movies, financing movies, because we've got contacts for people who in, in that field as well. Yeah. And then who knows whether the scores them. And hopefully if we're well placed in the market and we've got that experience behind us and we've made a success of all those projects, then I think we'd branch out into, you know, reaching out to, to venues, things like the Royal Albert Hall you know, theatre companies, theatres, and and trying to go down the route of introducing NFTs into their space where, you know, people would hold an NFT that would not only get them into the theatre, but would give them special utility. They could hold the NFT. If that goes value, they could sell it, make money mm-hmm. on it. And that's where Mr. Gary V sees it all. And I kind of... It's hard to disagree, isn't it? it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is the logical step because who, who knew in the mid-90s where the dot-com boom would go, where that lead us to, to Facebook and Twitter and Google and Amazon, you know, billion-dollar companies. No one knew that. No one knew that we'd spend millions of dollars, or sorry, millions of pounds, buying stuff online. You know, you can buy your car online, you can buy a house online. I mean, who knew where that would take us? And I think with Gary V's vision on this, he's looking that far ahead of the absolute world utility benefits of NFTs. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that, you know, you can, you can write, write royalties into these NFTs as well. So whoever's in, attached to those royalties can earn a residual income forever. Yeah. Which is amazing. Hugely, hugely important for anyone, and any kind of artist anyway, putting something out there, creative work. Yeah. The artist doing the, the artwork, the, the artists who, whether it's an actor or a DJ or a singer-songwriter or a singer, I mean, you know, there's, there is no limit to this. No. Uh, so I think that's definitely our long-term roadmap, but you've got to learn to walk first. So all emphasis is here and now focused on this project, our first one, which is starting to gain ground. And you find that everything starts from an idea, Ben. It starts with an idea. Then you start talking about it. Then you start finding yourself connecting with the right people and then them helping you on your journey. And then you meet some other people and then it starts to kind of move forward. And then before you know it, you're in it and you're doing it. And uh, Absolutely. We're, we're on the verge of that right now. So, so uh, would you say, you know, if we're drawing parallels to your PT days, are you you're in the warm up stage at the moment? What when are you going to start ramping this up? When when do you hope that we're going to see a little bit more of you in the space? I would hope to say certainly through sometime through March. Okay, early yeah, very very close March to April. I think without a doubt, all the signs there are good. The people that we're talking to, the people who are interested. And they like the, the sound of the project because of the fact that we've got that kind of unique position of direct contact with some real top-class DJs mm-hmm. who already have their own fan base. So we, we've got to have the project where we appeal to the NFT community and those that enjoy the artwork, utility, but also we've got to try and appeal to the, we want to reach out to the fan base of the artists. So they, they feel like they've got a piece to their artists as well. So they get in, to be involved. And that's why we're really working on real, real-world utility 
going above and beyond, you know, little little projects where on a certain drop for every NFT we sell, we want to plant a tree. We want the community to uh, vote on where that tree can be planted. And there could be three or four options around the world. Uh, there'll be free merchandise. We also want to look at doing wildlife donations. Again, we'll have like a list of three or four that the community can vote on, whether it's for looking after gorillas or chimpanzees or dolphins or whales or tigers. You know, we're going to say, well, look, once we sell this batch of NFTs, then X amount will go to a wildlife donation of your choice and we'll get people to vote on that. So, you know, some of that might be very personal to them. They've got a great opportunity of actually seeing some money that they're investing going to that, that don't earn wildlife charity. Yeah, well, a great sort of form of transparency there on what, what can be done. I know it's a, obviously hit the headlines last year. The people can focus too quickly on on Bitcoin's impacts on the environment. Um, and it puts people, a lot of people off the space, you know, professional investors included. And the mining complications there are, are clear and valid and everything. But when you look into the wider space, it doesn't necessarily need to be the case. Yeah. You've got a nice utility there that I think everyone really truly does care about. You would want to be able to vote on these sort of things. Yeah, because they're, they're actually you know personal to me. I, I, I love green. Living in Norfolk, I'm used to the green being by the fresh air and forests and countryside. So that's very important to me to be able to plant trees. And, and there are wildlife charities that, yeah, I, would, I mean, I love whales, dolphins. I have some dolphins. So that was a unique experience. Obviously, our nearest relatives in terms of evolution, chimpanzees and bonobos, if they're in danger, be able to help those in some way would be ideal. Yeah, I level that myself. And if we can offer that by people getting involved with the project, getting to vote on that and having a say in that, I, I don't I see why anybody would not want to do that. In terms of the, the mining, I think for now it is a slight issue or a big issue, depending on who you talk to. But I think humans are very good at adapting and very tenacious. They'll always find a way around things. And, you know, again, you have to think about this big push for, you know, net zero carbon emissions that Western governments are looking at. They want all cars in 10 years to be electric. Well, where's that electricity coming from? Where's the power coming from? Surely will that be an impact on the environment as well as the mining costs? Uh, and on, on, obviously when Bitcoin hits 21 million, that's it. You, you're not going to be mining anymore, are you? That's it. That's no, the limit. That's true. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure it'll probably be the same for Ethereum and other crypto coins. So that's, that won't be a, a long, long-term issue, will it? Maybe it's an issue now. I totally get that. I don't know enough about it in detail to really comment. But at some point, there won't be any mining because those coins will hit the limit and you know that's it. And I do think a lot of those kind of small coins, those meme coins will disappear. They will fall away by the wayside. Well, that's uh, thousands uh, and thousands of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah way, way too many. You know, and those, those can be... I mean, they can be very lucrative if you get in early and, you know, it's like 0. 0.000 dot of a cent. And you, I mean, did you see the biggest trade on crypto? Like, I think it was last year, late last year, the biggest trade. Did you see that? Which one? Because, well, go on. It was the, it was the, it was the one on, and this guy, I think, put down, I think it was $8,600. <laughs> and in the space of virtually 18 months, that made him $5.2 billion dollars. The biggest trade ever. So, I mean, if you can do that, fair play, I'll tip my hat to you. Maybe he knew something beforehand and you're still taking gamble, but wow, that's an incredible, incredible uh, trade. Yeah, that's, I wonder what the odds were on, on that and yeah, versus the lottery or something. I, I don't know. Shows what, what's possible. I, I much prefer I much prefer the idea of you being able to make a, a realistic difference to a lot of people. John, 
using uh, using blockchain in a clever way than yeah they, I do and that, half the pump on on some meme coin and I think that's where NFTs will come in if you make a real good project that appeals to people create good utility hopefully they enjoy the artwork you can do so much with that and it will then lead you on to the next project and then you can almost you you will virtually become autonomous in your business model absolutely and, and then it's then you just do projects that you love and that you you have a general interest in that hopefully also has a that resonates with the community as well and that's where i would that's where we want to take the uh the, the business in terms of the met house so that's why i'm quite passionate about it. And, and it's funny when you, the more you get involved and the more you start learning the more you kind of it gets your entrepreneurial juices flowing it really does really yeah no well john well it's been a real pleasure having you on Thank you so much for going into detail there on, on your journey. I'm hoping it'll inspire a fair few people out there. Well, thank you, Ben. It's been a real pleasure. I really appreciate you inviting me onto the podcast. Really enjoyed it. <laughs> Hopefully, maybe first of a few more. But if you oh. need any, any help for any, any other things in the future, you know, always feel free to reach out. I will do, John, uh, definitely. I, Where can people find you, time. by the way? Have you got any socials out there? Because you said March is going to be a big month. So, Well, I'll see uh, my LinkedIn page. I'll uh, put a link in the, in the comments. Um, in the description and I think at the moment we haven't got a Discord yet because I must admit I've tried to get on with Discord and I find it very messy and not particularly user friendly so I need to get to grips with that but Twitter yeah, my Twitter is nfd underscore js at Twitter there you so go NF, yeah, nfdjs so I'm on Twitter and LinkedIn if anyone want to reach out and contact just chew the fat or help each other out <laughs> I'm open to everything Perfect. There you go. Reach out, guys. Nice one. Cheers, John. All right. Thank you, Ben. Have a great day.